0: Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, and I am being filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I am walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work, and I am increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again I incline my ears to His word. His word is entering my heart. Give me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Understanding is your portion today in Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, turn to somebody on your left and your right. Greet the person. Tell the person, welcome to understanding, welcome to wisdom. You are very wise to have taken tell the person, I hope you are ready. Tell somebody, I hope you are ready. You are not an anointing killer. Yes. Please, wait. Do, some, do me a favor. Ask somebody, I hope you are not an anointing killer. Anointing killers, they, they sit down, relax, as if they came to their bedroom to listen to the word. They don't look at their Bibles when we are looking at Bible. They are staring at you. I know I'm handsome. You don't need to tell me. Are you getting my point? I'm used to it. Are you getting my point? So I don't need you staring at me to remind me. Okay. Now ask your neighbor, are you an anointing killer? I am an anointing killer. Or an anointing, I am an anointing booster? Yeah, say it. I am an anointing booster. I, an anointing booster. I, pay, attention. I pay attention. I don't fall asleep. I concentrate. And I pull on the spirit. Yeah, that's it. The Lord is good. All the time. Now greet somebody again while you are sitting down. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord is good. Now... um. What we are looking at, we began that last time. Of course, we are always studying the Word of God, and so we have a continuous train of thoughts. Once in a while, we just switch gears slightly to go into another angle. Uh, We have been looking at the fact that um, we are agents of faith and light, and we ended that, or towards the end of that series, we began to talk about the culture change, all right, that we are supposed to bring into life. And last week, what we began to look at, is faith, the culture of faith that we are to bring into existence on the earth by, by the virtue of the fact that we are the pillar of truth, we are the church of Christ. Things must change when Christianity comes into a place. Culture, we said, is the cloak of religion. Anything people practice, all right, how they dress, how they dedicate children, how they wed, how they bury the dead, you know, stuff like that, those things are what we call their culture. And it is based upon their faith. It is based upon their religion. Do you understand? Even names, you know. If you find a name in Yoruba land, names like Babatunde, do you understand? Babajide, these are names based on culture. They believe in reincarnation. That if a man dies, do you understand, he will come back again. The culture is very different from what we find among the Hindus. Hindus believe that. You come back as cockroach. You can be a human this time. Next time, you come back as an antelope. Next time, you come back, and depending on how you behave, you can come back as a good animal, but you're coming back as something crazy, you know, at some point. But in, the, in Western Nigeria, they we believe in reincarnation, but you come back as a person. Usually, you come back to the same family. Do you understand? So if a, if a man dies, and a, a child is born shortly after he dies, and is a male, the child is really looked at as a reincarnation of the man that passed on, especially when he's elderly. Alright, so they use names like Baba Tunde, and those are names you don't find among Pentecostal Christians because they rejected the doctrine of reincarnation. So even if everything ties to that idea of reincarnation, they will not give that name because Baba Tunde means Baba has returned. Do you understand? And they don't believe in that. They say, it is appointed unto man once to die. After that, his judgment. You can't have the opportunity to die twice. Who are you? Are you going to say? So they, they don't accept that. So you see, that, that name, therefore, vanishes from the Christian culture. As people began to understand scriptures, when they didn't understand it, it remained. So even the way we name people, okay, you find that names that we they used to use those days, I know the culture in the West very well, so I can give us examples. When you name people, you name them after God's. Alright, if you see names like Ogun, you know, somebody like say, Ogun, Tunde, Ogun this, Ogun that, those are names named because people believe in the power of Ogun, the god of iron. Do you understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you, you find those names, father, this, father. that, Fad that, you understand, like Fashola, we all know Fashola. It's based upon, you know, the family he came out of, they must have been what the Jews we call the Levitical order. <laughs> Do you get my point? So when you see Christians name their own children, they drop those names. So you see names like Olu, 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 Olu is now, pr- and on that side, is now plenty. It's the influence of Christianity. It's the influence of Christianity. They start using, Olu is supposed to be the Lord. So you see, it affects the way people name their children. That's what we're talking about, culture. And that's what it's supposed to be. Christianity affects the culture around. If it's not affecting the culture around, it's dead faith people are operating by. Last time I explained, I took time out to explain that faith can be dead. And we have to be careful that we don't operate by faith that is dead. That's one thing we must, we must bear in mind. A lot of things people call Christianity in Nigeria, that's how you know that the faith is dead. That's how you know the faith is dead. You see, they thoroughly mix it with their traditional culture. The way they mourn the dead does not change after two generations. You know the faith is dead. Yes. If the faith was living, the way they mourn the dead would have changed after some time. The way they conduct wedding ceremonies would have changed after some time. That's just the way it is. So that's how you know faith that is dead. It's been dead. They said they've been Christians for two generations. The, the, the culture of 100 years ago is still there. You know, the culture is still there with them, strong. You know their faith is dead. No matter how many churches they built over the years, the faith is dead. The faith is dead. The way to treat a widow, if it hasn't changed after two generations, the faith is dead. They never believed. The white man forced them to go to church. They did not believe. Many times people, you know, that's one thing you find out. Very common, where you find things like Islam and all of that. The culture doesn't change so much because you look inside. The people do everything they were doing before, they just go to mosque on Friday. Add it to it. And Christians also want to behave like that, right? The way, they, the way they do everything remains the same, but they add church to it. They go to church on Sundays, you understand, they go. They add a few other things to it. But you look at it, their culture has not changed. Then you know the faith is dead. That's how you identify a society operating by dead faith. If the faith was living, it would change things. I emphasized last time, listen, dead faith does not save. James told us that clearly. And so when we talk about problems, they come like ours, and they want to make it look as if there's a failure of Christianity. I said last time, it is not true. The Christianity has not been tested. It has not been used. If it was used, what we find is people going to church a lot. There's a world of difference between Christianity and churchianity. What we practice, what is predominant around us is churchianity. People go to church. Now, of course, we invented that expression. People go to church all the time, but their personal cultures are not changed. Their preferences in life don't change. Real Christianity, no, it changes everything. And that's what we're preaching again, so that we must understand that as we're agents of faith and light, we are bringing about a culture change. And how do we do it? Not by mounting a campaign. Now, listen, this is very important. You know, people like to mount campaigns. We mount a campaign. After you've heard this kind of message, you now go and start an NGO. Culture Change Incorporated. <laughs> and we are here to challenge Christians to change. It. Nonsense. Are yeah, you getting my point? People like to do that. No. I, I, I preached a sermon some time ago, how to change the world. If you remember, I don't know, it's some time, I think it's on our website, How to Change the World. And I started by saying, number one, you can't. As I said, bear this in mind, you can't. It's okay, but you say, we are supposed to change things. What I mean, is you can't go out deliberately to change the world. What you can do is to change yourself. If you change yourself, if every Christian changes himself, changes herself, and if enough of us change ourselves, around, you discover that the influence that we have, because he that is from above is above all, the power of Christ working in us will change our environment it's called grace, that's how grace works we just plant our seeds, we cannot deliberately change anything what we can just do is to change ourselves and change the things under our influence do you get my point? that's what we can do, we can change the things under our influence for example, you run a company you make it clear to everybody we don't break rules here We don't bribe anybody. We don't do this. We don't do that. Do you get my point? Now, you can do that in a company that you run. You can't change the world. All you can do is change the things that are... You change yourself. You change the things that are under your control. If enough of us will do that, that's when we become the salt of the earth. How does the salt change things? How does the salt affect things around? Not by deliberately affecting them, but by just being present. The presence of salt changes things. So, you see, I'm not saying that change your culture now. We should change the culture by mounting a campaign. No. What we are saying is that if the culture around us has not changed, it's one of two things, usually both of them. One, either because those of us who claim to be pre-Christians, we have not changed ourselves enough. That's number one. Number two, or maybe not our fault, we are not enough in number. So we are not enough in number, all right? All right. We need a certain number of us to be able to affect things. But you see, what we do is each time, we make sure that we are working on ourselves all the time to change the way we do things, all right? That's why we'll create a new culture. That's how we we'll create a new culture, first in ourselves, and then that begins to affect the things around. Now, what I began to say last time, let me just go over it again, is Paul. And, okay, I said this, I need to just repeat it. Faith and works are two sides of the same coin. Faith and works are two sides of the same coin. They are two sides of the same coin. Paul spoke extensively on one side when it, came to sal- when it comes to salvation. He discussed that extensively. He focused more on faith, faith, faith. But I demonstrated last time that it was not because he did not believe in the works side. No, he did. I showed us that Paul talked about repentance a lot he talked about repentance a lot. And repentance has to do with the change of mind which manifests in your change of actions. That when he was talking about faith, he was not just talking about agreeing, he expected that there would be works with it. It's just that he did not teach much about it. So people misunderstood him. Well, no, it did, just that people misunderstood. So people now went around saying that what you need to do is agree and you are saved. And I use the word agree just to explain that people have the kind of faith that doesn't have effect. All right, So they, it's just what I call an, an agreeing faith. So James had to explain that that faith is dead and cannot save anybody. If you don't know how to interpret the scriptures, you will think James and um, Paul were disagreeing with each other. But it's not true. They were in total agreement. They quoted the same scriptures to make their points. When they were talking about salvation, they quoted that Abraham believed God. James just emphasized that if Abraham believed God, how do we know? Say, watch it. When God said move, he moved. When God said sacrifice, Isaac, he went ahead to do that. He said, therefore, his faith was accounted for righteousness. What was James trying to say? That you see, the man's faith was shown in that he did works. He said his works cooperated with his faith. We understand that point. So the two of them were dealing with the same coin, just looking at it from two sides. Paul spoke a lot about believing. Believing It was those who misunderstood him that made it look like you can have dead faith and still be saved. And we have them till today. And one of the things they do is to tell you that sin does not exist. Once you're a believer, anything you do is not sinful. Yeah, you've not heard that doctrine before? Oh, let me just warn you about it in case you did not know. They, and it's not new. I've had discussions with people. I say, look, these things are not new. You are hearing it for the first time. It's impressing you. I heard it 25, 27 years ago. That was when I first heard it. It's not new. These are not new doctrines. I was on the campus of University of Benin 27 years ago. It, it came in that time. And people had to rise to explain that, please, it's not so. People were preaching that at that time. So it's not new. They will say, listen, anything you do, because your spirit is pure, As a Christian, no matter what you do, it does not matter. But we have seen that that is not reflected in scriptures. If we just take our Bible and read, we never saw Jesus talk like that. We never saw Paul talk like that. James never gave us that impression. Peter did not. John did not at all say anything like that. And definitely, Jude did not. All the people that wrote our Bibles didn't give us that impression. So where did we get it from? There are new doctrines. That's what Paul calls the doctrines of demons. These are doctrines of demons. They lead men to perdition. All right, because you will not let people know that they should repent, because you'll be telling them that there's nothing wrong with them the way they are. Something's wrong with you if you are still walking in sin. All right. So I just want to emphasize again. So Paul said, Paul, Paul talked about one side of the coin. James talked about another side of the coin. Both of them were talking about the same coin, salvation. They did not disagree with each other at all. James was just trying to tell you, tell everybody, listen, turn the coin around. Paul was not saying what people are saying. If the faith doesn't have works, it is dead. If it is dead, it cannot save. Salvation is by faith, we know. But if the faith cannot change somebody, it cannot be relieving Because the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any two edges, just so saw. This word is alive. How can it be in somebody's life and it's not transforming the person? He said that word is not there. That word is not there. Or, or the person is not accepting it by faith. If the word is there, being accepted by faith, it must change somebody else. It must change you, but uh, this was this was where we we ended it. All right, this was where we ended it. We now began to look at that Paul actually emphasised it also, and that's what I'm talking about. If you look at Paul's teachings, which is actually my emphasis, you see that they are always in two sides. Paul will always start, almost all the time, he will start with giving us the spiritual truths. You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Paul will explain that. Then after describing all of that. He will tell you about the fact that you were dead in your trespasses. Now you have been made alive in Christ. By grace you have been saved. He will say you are his workmanship, created for good works. He will describe the fact that right now there is nothing like Jew and Gentile. All are one in Christ Jesus. There is one Lord. There is one hope. There is one faith. You know, he talked about all of those things. At the end of the day, he now starts talking about, now these are the spiritual truths. What are the practical outworkings of these truths? And he never used to slack in those areas. In Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 17. In fact, my Bible, the American Standard, breaks it there and titles it, The Christian's Walk. The Christian's Walk. So in a says, so this I say, and I affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk, in the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart and they having become callous have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. He said but there is a way of Christ. He said you did not learn Christ in this way if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. They now began to explain all of these things for example, verse 25, he said, therefore, lay aside falsehood. So you see, Paul talked about the works of faith. We just need to emphasize this also from his teachings. Paul talks about the works of faith, the outside works of faith. But I need to say this again. I'm, not, I'm not repeating myself, but I can't say this enough. Alright? Don't believe you have faith unless you have works to show. Don't. Faith is not what you think. Deceived people think they have faith. On the last day, Jesus said it. Many will come to him and call him Lord, Lord. And he will turn and say, who are you talking to? I never knew you. They were confident enough to speak to him. Deceived people... See, James says something. He said, don't be hearers of the word only. But be what? Doers. 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 He said, if you are a hearer only, you are deceiving yourself. Let me explain the meaning of the word deception. Deception means that you are convinced that what you think is correct. All right? There's a word of difference between a lie and deception. If I'm lying, all right, I know I know, maybe something is red. But because if I acknowledge that it is red, it won't favor me. I will tell you it's pink. I look for a color that suits me. But I know I am persuaded it is red. But we can't agree it is red. They won't pay us. The man said I should paint his house red. The day I went to the market, the red paint was twice the cost of the pink one. And I'd quoted for him that everything would cost him 20,000 naira, and he has paid. Only for me to get there that the cost of the painting alone was nineteen thousand <laughs> five. My own workmanship, I'm called labor. Where will I transport? Where will I put it? Then I looked. Because the demand for pink is lower do you understand? The pink paint is cheaper. So I bought the pink one. And you know people do that to you all the time. Then they paint your house pink. Then you come back and say, oh boy, we agreed on red. He said, oh God, this is red. (laughs) (laughs) That is a lie. Like one brother came to me, was supposed to supply me a suit to wear. I said I wanted (laughs) brown suit. He brought it suit. I said it's dark chocolate brown. How else How else do you call black in your life? (laughs) How else do you describe black? This thing was black. It was black. Ask my wife. It was black. But he called it for me dark chocolate brown because he wanted money. That's a liar. That's a liar. But a deceived person goes to the market. He wants to paint your house red as you agreed then the seller, the seller turns to him and says, "This is red." He doesn't, see, you know, people see colors differently. Yeah. I hope you know that yeah. it's a matter of fact. Don't be angry too many, too many times with women when they have different names or different colors. Science has shown it's a matter of fact that they actually see colors differently. They showed men you know seven shades of red. All right, the men saw only two shades or three in the seven. Most women will see seven. They will say this. They said, are they all the same color? The woman said, like this is light red. This is slightly darker than the. And they could distinguish them. Their eyes are different. So when you see the women tell you this is turquoise blue, this is lilac blue, this is yellow blue, this is mormon blue, this is just don't 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 argue. He said, but you bought blue for the last now. I said, no, that one was was a uh, sky blue. This is a normal blue. You look at the two of them, they look, okay, one is sea blue, that one was sky blue. And then you, you look at it. yeah, thank you, royal blue. See what I'm saying, all kinds of blue. Then there's, the sea blue has the coral, the shore blue, the deep sea blue, and the other sea blue. And listen to me, the women are not lying to you. They really can see the difference. It's the men that are looking and say like, my God. Need, all of them are the same color. Say, How can they be? And the colors in the household. I can't spend all my money on that. Should be, please. Spend it. The colors are different. The Lord is good. <laughs> what happened is a matter of fact. So I go there. Maybe they don't sell me the the, the pink, and I paint it. And I say, oh, guys, it's red. The man says it's not red. I say it is red. Last time I'm sure it is red. Maybe in my eyes it looks red. Do you get my point? That is the fact that I'm deceived. I have been deceived. This time I'm the one that I lost money. I lost money to the man who sold the paint to me. Who persuaded me that the color was red when it wasn't because he would make more money. You are getting my point. That's the difference between a lie and somebody who is deceived. The person who is lying knows the truth. The person who is deceived thinks that what he thinks is correct. And that is why you cannot be the judge of your own self. That's why James said, check your works. If you want to say you believe, check your works. As I go on, I'm going to talk about the issue of prosperity as an example. So that I just bring this issue to balance for Christians. Your attitude to money, you may sit and believe in God for prosperity. God, God will say the angels, this boy, this guy is not believing me for anything. Say, but it's confessing the word every day. Say, confession and what you really believe are two different things. Now, confession is a sign of what you believe. Do you understand? But it can also be a sign of what you desire. Not what you believe. It can be a sign of what you are copying. But what you really believe is different. But that's one of the manifestations. So James said, how do I know what I really believe? He said, check your works. I mean, let me give you a simple example. If money is always driving you up and down, deciding what to do, where you go, you don't believe God for prosperity. You're lying. You believe yourself. You believe your own schemings. You believe your own flesh. But you think you are believing God. It's not God you are believing. One of the signs that you believe is that you don't make haste. He that believes does not make haste. It's not in in a hurry. It's not in a hurry. That was how Abraham. Abraham said, Lord came to Abraham, said uh, the king of Sodom came to Abraham and said, Look, take everything. Let me just have the men back. He said, You will say you made Abraham rich. Do you understand my point? Listen, he was looking at what was legitimately his own. By the law of conquest of that time, he could take these things, but the glory of his God was more important to him, and he really believed God, so he told the man, "Take it away. If I hold it now, you tomorrow you'll be thinking, I'm not that made Abraham rich. I carry your things. Go. Why? The man was too sure of what God was going to do in his life. Are you getting my point? Same thing between him and Lot. This is look. This is the best job. This one, they're going to be paying you a millionaire every month. This one, they will not even give you 100000 complete. And you or your, and your friend, they have the same qualifications, the same opportunities. You hear about it, you don't tell your friend. Why? <laughs> no, it's better for you to grab it first. Listen, no matter how much you think you believe God for prosperity, you don't. You believe yourself for prosperity. The person who really believes God for prosperity will tell the friend, "So why have you applied? Mm-hmm. Say, there's only one slot. And let two of us try now. And if they say, so, okay, two of you are the most qualified, are you guys to choose. Who will choose first? You gladly tell your friend, you choose first. If you want it, you can have it. Do you understand? These are signs that you really believe God. But if you are grabby, 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 no matter how much you claim you believe God, you don't. You are pretending. I don't want to drop that. So that's why, you, you know what Paul said? He said you have to check yourself regularly to be sure you are in the faith. That is, if you don't check, you may think you are in the faith, but you are not. One of the things I found that the danger of faith is the faith of yesterday. What do I mean by faith of yesterday? When you, you, the experience you had yesterday, it, you, it, no, it was yesterday, it was last year, it was 10 years ago. You keep on thinking that that means that you still have it. Faith is a spiritual substance. It, it disappears. You use it, it finishes. You need to restore it. So sometimes, you had that faith that time because you were feeding on God's word. You were associating with people of faith around you. The the, the environment, you know, that's another people don't understand. The environment around you matters. Sometimes you have been removed from the environment that used to fill your heart with faith. On your own, you don't have as much as you thought you did. Yes. So we now say that on the moon, we used to jump. Remember that story when we were young? On the moon, we used to jump like this. Jump on the earth. You don't know the gravity has changed. (laughs) <laughs> you don't know the gravity has changed. That's why James said, this, uh, Paul said, check yourself to make sure you are in the faith. Faith sometimes it wears down. This if this is an example I like to give. If normally you are a very healthy person, you know, you can take a lot of beating. You know, you walk, you walk, you take, you rest a bit, your back, and then you're very, very healthy. Now, every time they say flu has come to a down, you've collected your portion. The last one month, you collected twice. Now, one will call you my whole body, my body. Yeah, it's normal. You are tired, that's what we think. After two weeks, the story starts again. You are now You you're a good driver, but you don't jump three times in one week. Either they jam you or you jumpers. I see you did now. Your bumper tomorrow, windscreen the next, the side mirror. These are signs that your faith has gone down. Don't don't quarrel with anybody. It's your personal faith that went down. These are the things God is using to show you that, oh boy, things are not exactly the way they used to be. Oh, girl, wake up. Those are the times you will go back and tell everybody, I'm taking leave. You go to work. Can I apply for one week? They give it to you. Well, I'm not going anywhere. I'm just collecting a Bible. As in one day, you will listen to four hours of teaching. Read three chapters in the morning, two in the afternoon, two at night. In one week, you read four books. You will pray, your mouth will bend. Of course, and every night you will sleep well. So, what are you doing? I'm restoring my face. Am I the only one in town? Keke jab me today, Okada tomorrow. <laughs> the last one was lorry. What will happen next time? Aeroplane? I beg you. <laughs> People who don't understand, they start saying say that the witches are after me. They'll be after you all your life. But they never got you till now. Why? The day you were born, three witches wanted to kill you, they couldn't. Your first birthday, they recruited more witches. They didn't kill you. When you turned 10, they brought a whole horde of demons. They could not kill you. The day you were dead, the half of the congregation were witches. You did not know. They did not kill you. <laughs> they have not been able to do anything to you all these years. Then suddenly, they are getting you. You should know that something is wrong with you, not with them. Because they have been your enemies all your life. Even have enemies all your life. I said, look, husband and wife, people are having a very nice relationship. There. suddenly everything, quarry, quarrel, quarrel, quarrel. Don't quarrel. Just go and read your Bible again. Faith is down. Faith is down. Your business has been doing well. Suddenly, one loss after the other. Mistake, mistake. They forgot to lock the door. One guy walking past, entered the office, you know, stole something, Shit there. Locked the door. <laughs> come out. And ah, ah! you're wondering. Don't blame anybody. It's a sign. That the spiritual level of faith in your heart has gone down. That's why James said it. How do you want to know whether you have faith or you don't? Check the works. When suddenly now nonsense movie interests you now. If you don't, it's the faith that is down. That's why, look, Jesus asked them, where is your faith? Faith sometimes will travel and leave you behind. That's what happened to them. Jesus had to ask them. When he saw them panicking, Ah, said Peter, you were not like this last week. Wake the Lord up. We're about to die. He's still sleeping. Wake him up. You don't care that we're about to die? What's going on? After Jesus calmed the wind, calmed the waters, he said, where is your faith? What was he saying? Ah, Peter, you know why I slept? I thought you could handle this. John, all of you now formed the committee to wake me up. <laughs> what happened? The faith has gone somewhere. Please, let's bear that in mind. It's very important. Our works, see, we have to focus. How am I behaving? How am I behaving? There are Christians I see sometimes, eh, if you did a the reputation, they leave behind. I've heard people tell me, if that man is a Christian, I will never be a Christian. And the person you were telling me about, Bible teacher. Bible teacher. See, that one is a believer. I don't see, I, I ne- if it were like that, I would never be a Christian. And, it, and it's not, that, look, when you hear the details, you know why they said so. You can't be the one to judge yourself. Let your friends judge you. Yes. Let them tell you how you are behaving. When we are saying bad things about you behind you, hear the bad thing in case it is correct. Because the people that they are is down to zero. You know what happened to something? It, you know, something, his anointing had gone. You know, he didn't know it. He say Where are the Philistines? <laughs> The first Philistine, I'm going to kill him. This is me? He come in eye. Ah! Samson, is that supposed to be a joke? <laughs> second Philistine, poked something in the second eye. Ah! They bound the man. He? That this Samson was surprised. If he had known, I've been checking the length of his hair every day. When he wants to comb the check. check. Give me the ruler. It's correct. All right. <laughs> because if he had known, it's not how you feel. The hair for him was the works in his life. When you start making small, small compromises and start explaining that it is wisdom, your faith is down. That's it. Your faith is down. Listen, we can't obey God with, you know what they call, bull face, personal energy. I will not agree. No. The ability to look at Nebuchadnezzar in the face and say, I will not bow. It's not yours. It's God's. It's called grace. Before you, you stood against Nebuchadnezzar once, then now, Nebuchadnezzar's smallest child said, I'll tell my father, you started peeing. <laughs> <laughs> you have seen the father before. Stood in the father's as they are not bowing. Now, the small daughter is telling you, I will tell my father for you. And then you say, Please, now I'm begging you. Okay, okay, take sweet. You should know that something is wrong. Something is wrong. It's not, it's not the girl that's the problem, it's not her father, it's you. Faith, the faith to stand against temptation. The faith to stand against threats. It's gone down. That's what we Christians need to do. That's why we need to periodically settle down and assess your life. Because people whose faith are down don't realize it. They still think the faith is up. Those are the two sides of this coin that we keep talking about. That was why James had to write. I'm saying to us again, Paul also wrote like that. Now, there's something we said before. No, we keep repeating these things. And, and that's, that's actually what I'm going to get into today. I want to take them one by one. I don't know how long I'm going to be on this. We'll take, on, we'll take everything one by one. As many as I can think of. As long as it's written out there. Now, let me emphasize it again to us. The works, the culture we're talking about, the precepts of God, very important. The precepts of God are the things that the networks, You know, last time I recommended that that teaching in our last magazine, don't short-circuit your blessing. I need to just go over that thing again. No matter how much God wants to bless you, if you are not doing what is right, he can't. If he does, you will waste it. Let me say it again. No matter how much God wants to bless, all the spiritual blessings are are ours in Christ. These things are true. But they can remain there permanently and we'll never see them. When I wrote the book Beyond Gifts and Talents, that was one of the things I tried to explain to people because I've, I saw that Christians often get carried away by prophetic words. They get carried away by visions. They get carried away by revelations. Still, remember one brother telling me about another one that this man, I saw. he, he said when people say they saw visions, that one for me, it was clear. I saw what his ministry was going to be like how this thing is going to blossom, how it's going to grow, and all of that. Do you know that man, till he died, never saw that thing? He never experienced it. Prophetic words will come. You know, God said to Eli, when he sent that prophet to him, he said, did I not swear that you and your father's house will be priests before me forever? That was a prophetic word. That was a vision. God now said that, but now, far be it from me. Do you know, if that man of God did not come to tell Eli that, Eli will be quoting that prophecy. We have a word of God, sure. This family will be preached forever. God said, Me? What you don't realize is that every prophecy, every promise has something hidden inside it. There are some implicit conditions. It's your duty to go and search them out. What the condition for everlasting priesthood? He said, He that honors me. I will honor. That's what God is saying. If you are going to be a priest before me forever, go and learn how to honor me. He said, now you have honored your children above me. They have despised my sacrifices. He said, therefore, this is my new word. You guys, a time will come. He said, it will not happen that there will not be a sick or a poor person in your house, so that I will get myself a new priest. If you want to eat, you have to go and beg down for a loaf of bread. Why? It's simple. Whoever honors me, I will honor. So when he said, you'll be a priest before me forever, he said, inside you should have known that I said, whoever honors me, I will honor. So when you hear the promise of everlasting priesthood, you go and learn how to honor God. God gave a promise to Abraham. He told him, this is how your descendants will be. You'll be like the stars in the sky, the sun on the seashore. You will possess the gates of your enemies. All of this will happen to you. In you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Very good, Abraham But God told Abraham, for your descendants to see it, you have to teach them righteousness and justice. They must learn to practice righteousness and justice. Otherwise, all these promises I've made, they are promises. They will just be be, remain promises. You know, know, there's something I shared with us some time ago. Something led to it again. I was watching TV either yesterday or two two days ago, watching news. And they were talking about racism in America. And they brought it. Okay, it was on an the anniversary of um, Martin Luther King's um 50, the death, right? So it, it was the 50th anniversary of Martin Luther King's um death, 4th of April. I saw them talking about racism in America. Then one of the men there said something. He explained that, because I think it was this woman, um Christiana Mampo, that was interviewing. She asked something about the gains of the, the black um Movement, you know, the freedom, the equal rights, and all of that. The man said something that usually when they make an advancement, it's really taken away from them. You know, she pointed out that Barack Obama was president. And he said that it doesn't impress him because he remembered years ago, not recently, maybe over 100 years ago, when some black men were elected congressmen, that the backlash. It, that was even before segregation was made into, before, before the Jim Crow laws and all of that. That is not to, for the first time. They make advancement, is snatched away from them again. That Obama's presidency has not really achieved much because the racists will lash back. And in fact, for him, Donald Trump's winning election was a backlash of Oda, Obama's presidency. As if the white, white rose up and said, what's going on? We're about to lose this thing. So they come back, you know, to grab it back. Now, you know, when you look at things, it depends on what's inside your heart. When I'm looking at it, I'm seeing something very differently. And this is a matter of fact. Listen to me. Freedom hmm? is not free. Oh, freedom is not free. And I don't mean that you will fight for freedom. I mean, somebody pays for it and gives it to you. That's how it is. Racism, me, I'm not impressed with whites. Whites are not wicked people, they are normal people. The racist behavior you find among whites. Is human nature. It's not white wickedness. Do you understand my point? It's human nature. And I don't have to say too much for you to know. You sit all around you too, amongst blacks. If you read um, Outliers by um, Malcolm Gladwell, that was when I found out that in the Caribbean islands, all those areas, they actually discriminate amongst themselves Depending on, amount the, uh, depending on the amount of whiteness in you, because they, they, they have been thoroughly mixed, you know, a lot of, because they were descendants of slaves and all of that. So a lot of those slave masters impregnated a lot of those, so even married some of the black slaves of those days. So a lot of the slave men are not pure whites, are not pure black. In fact, very few of those people are pure. If you ever see the picture of a man like Bob Marley, this guy is not pure black. If you see them, they're not pure blacks, because their ancestors had been mixed with the white people. Do you know even amongst themselves, they prefer the people that have more white in them, and the only way they can decide it is how fair your skin is. So you, the, um, these are all black people, oh, no white man amongst them. Oh. Do we need to come back home and start seeing how we relate with each other? I know a man was crying with another person. He said, "Which state is he from?" Both of them are from Eastern states. Let me not mention states now, so I won't cause fight amongst brethren. <laughs> Both of them from eastern states say, when the people from that state start talking to people from his Mm -hmm. Mm state, So when you see racism, don't be angry with the white man. It is a human nature. It's it's human nature. It's not not because they are white. It's because they are humans. And if the tables were turned, the blacks would do exactly the same. It's human nature. You see where I'm going? So having said that, why did the blacks come under. We've talked about it here many times. I call it the curse of Noah. It began with Noah. It began with Noah. I don't have time to explain it in details now. What I want to talk about is Christ. The reason why the freedom came is because of Jesus. I told you when I went to um, Elmina Castle okay, Cape, and Cape Coast Castle in, uh, in Ghana, we were on top looking at the where they used to ship slaves from. The guide showed us, of course they put us in the dungeon and then the place is dark. You understand? The walls are black. Everything. Then, without they they will close the door. You won't know what they want to do. Turn the switch off the light, and turn you into you no. Know, just they just turn into pitch darkness without warning you ahead. You no, know, they just mean everybody's in. All of you will be in. They will be telling, showing you things, showing you that, showing you this, showing you this. One guy is already is near the switch. When all of you are in and they've locked the door, the guy will just flip the switch. Everything goes dark. You know you are like, what's going on here? <laughs> After a few seconds, you put it back on. Like, look, you were in that for just a few seconds, that these guys used to be in that for months on end. Now, his story will end with one thing. People like to bash Christianity. That right above the dungeon is an Anglican chapel. That's what he used to point out. And I, when he said it, of course, I'm a spiritual man, I laugh. I just laughed at it. He I I, I, was talking. I went like, I said, boy, come. Stop talking nonsense. I felt like, I didn't tell him, but I felt like, I said, stop talking rubbish. That church is the reason why this place is a tourist attraction today. Yes. When well, not for that church. You be, they will still be staying here. Yes. They just have expanded. That, listen, it is the it is a fact that the gospel was being preached. That's where I'm going. That slavery ended. Back to the blacks in America. It is not Martin Luther King that gave them freedom. It's not, what's the name of the other man? The president. Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln. It wasn't Abraham Lincoln. His emancipation declaration was an assignment from God, which he was executing like a ministry. That was why he fought. And listen, oh, God, if you go and read Habakkuk, you see God does something. God will tell you, look, the Babylonians are coming. God said to them, these people are known for their wickedness. They don't show mercy. They are looking for money. It's just gain. But I'm going to use them to discipline my people. Habakkuk said, why should they be the ones to punish people more righteous than them. <laughs> now, I'm going somewhere. When he said write the vision, he was writing the vision of what will happen to the Babylonians. When it was time to discipline the Babylonians, God said, Don't, look, let, let me not talk about it now. God now described their own discipline. In fact, if you go and read Jeremiah, I got tired of reading Jeremiah at a point in time because he spent the last many chapters describing the discipline of the Babylonians. How am I talking about it? One day I watched the his history of America And I realized that God punished the whites for what they did to the slaves. Yeah, he did. They, by themselves, wiped out one million white Americans in their civil war. The war was fought over slavery. One million men died. And generally, they didn't even like the blacks' fight. Now, I'm trying to say something here. So God knows what he's doing. Alright? Like I told you, the racism is is a a human nature thing. But this is what I'm going to emphasize. Abraham Lincoln... He's not the one, he's God. Martin Luther King is not the one, he's God. Incidentally, when he said that uh, he sees the promised land and all of that, that he may not live to see it, he died the next day. I <laughs> didn't even know when he was prophesying that he would not see the promised land. He died the following day. Now, let me say something here. It's the advancement of the gospel amongst the blacks. Is as the word of God was penetrating that freedom was coming. But freedom is dangerous, freedom makes you lawless. Freedom makes you careless. Freedom makes you carefree. This is my conviction. Each time they got freedom, they became careless. Then God snatched it back again. You know the major problem they have? Listen, is a church. Listen, for, for racism in America, Is a church. Both the black churches and the white churches, all of them are the problem. When the churches stop preaching the truth and they stop practicing it, when they start all this, their nonsense. Freedom will disappear. And it's not only like the blacks that are in trouble. The whites will have their own problem. It's just that their problem is not racism. If a black boy takes a gun to shoot anybody in the school, it's a gang member. It's tr- targeting the rival gang. Have you not noticed this? Yes. Anytime they say somebody went enter the school and shot teacher pupils, shot everybody. They're always white. That will let you know that their own problem is in the mind. It's a mental problem. Black boys only shoot you for two reasons. They want your money or you are selling drugs and they are tough. That's all. When they are shooting people, there must be trade involved. <laughs> when whites want to shoot people, they just say that all of you are laughing at me, they shoot everybody. <laughs> That's all. They just shoot for the sake of shooting. There's one, one of our brothers talking about one guy in Nigeria. He's a white man. I think other European-American. He, he, he doesn't go back to America. He doesn't go abroad. He says, Nigeria. Say Why? He said, look, it's summer around the year. Why should I go anywhere? He went and married a, an Asian woman, divorced the American wife, married an Asian woman, stays in Nigeria, doesn't go anywhere. He said, what about the crime in Nigeria? He said, crime? He said, there's no crime in Nigeria. That The crime in Nigeria is economic. The boys just want your money. If they kidnap you, you pay them, they let you go. If they knock at your door, give them money, they go away. He said, but back in my country... When a man kidnaps you, it's for the fun of it. He will cut you to pieces while you are alive. <laughs> and you can't beg him because his head is not correct. <laughs> he said, please, I'd rather be kidnapped by a Niger Delta guy. <laughs> That's what I'm sure I would leave. It's just money. I'll just call my wife, arrange $100,000, give to them. I'm free. <laughs> so everybody, I'm going to say something here. Everybody's in bondage. Everybody. But what, gives, what brings freedom is the light of Christ. That's what I'm going to emphasize. What brings freedom is the light of Christ. The bondage that the world went under, like I was talking about the blacks, because of the curse of Noah, the only thing that liberates them is the light of Christ that comes in. The problem is that when they have been liberated, they become carefree. So they become president, and the president thinks what he can do for God is to tell God to go to hell. And how did he do that? LGBT colors, he painted on the White House. What I'm convinced of is that if the church, the black church had revolted against him, all those years that Obama was doing what he was doing, they should have realized that only God gives freedom. No human being does. Don't, don't, don't Listen, don't be loyal to any political organization, all right, and be disloyal to God. They should have turned their backs on him and gone to God and said, God, we don't like this man. God would have given them more freedom, even if he brought another, he brought another white man in. But they thought that, hey, we are in power. Let's keep our brother there. So despite everything they wanted to vote, they voted massively for Hillary Clinton. And God said, that's the way you like it, I'm taking the freedom away. Why were they voting for Hillary Clinton? It's simple because they wanted to hold to as much freedom as possible. But God said, you don't understand, freedom is a gift. Freedom is a gift. If they are turned their backs on Obama and Hillary Clinton's agenda, which was just an agenda of persecution of the church agenda of insulting God, agenda of taking the fear of God away from the midst of the nation. That was the only agenda he had. And that was why Neville Johnson said Americans should pray last election. He said, because if Hillary Clinton wins, you guys are going to be ruled by a witch. But the the Christians were willing for that because he gave them freedom. But God said, you don't understand, freedom is what? A gift. I'm the one that gives it. I hope you are getting my point here. I'm going to say something here. So you see, everything has conditions. That's what I'm trying to say. It has conditions in it. God gives you freedom. He's, you are supposed to use to serve him. When God said to Eli, you are going to be priest before me forever, is so that you'll be the one to honor me. When he said to Abraham, your children will, you know, this, this is a blessing I'll bring through them. He said, listen, what you need is for them to learn righteousness and justice. The blessings of God will not come down except certain things are put in place. That's why no matter how much faith you have, no matter how much you claim to believe, you claim because it's a claim, you're the one that thinks so. If If things are not set in order in life, that blessing will never flow into your life. God said to Abraham, no, God said to himself, he said, I have chosen him that he might teach his children and his household after him to do righteousness and justice so that I will be able to bring to pass that which I have promised concerning him. There is no righteousness and justice, no fulfillment of promises. You don't just harass God, but you promised. No, God said it is through faith and patience that people inherit promises. That word patience is loaded it is loaded. Now, I'm going to emphasize something here. So, when God gave us precepts, it's so that we can download his blessings. When he gave us precepts, if he says that it is the Lord that God that is giving you power to get wealth, listen to me. If you believe that scripture, if you believe that prophecy, and you're poor, you're, ultra, you're very poor, you properly poor, you know that kind of, you know, poor like the lowest people in India, you know, really poor. When the gospel comes to you, it will not give you money. Let me just digress again. If somebody says, sow a seed, and tomorrow will be a millionaire, tell him I'm not interested. Because this millionaire will be tomorrow. I'll be poor by the third day. And I'll now have seven spirits more wicked than the only spirit of poverty I currently have. No, that's how it works. Listen to me. No, I'm not lying to you. If you are poor today, it's one spirit that is disturbing you. If I give you a million tomorrow because you sowed a dangerous seed, I have driven away the spirit by force. But the spirit will come back to check what has changed in your life. If nothing has changed, he will not just hold you in poverty. He will go back and look for seven spirits more wicked than himself. Before you were poor, nobody lent you money because you were poor. right? You became a millionaire for one day. Everybody lent you money. Before you were zero, zero is just zero. Poverty is zero. By the third day, when the demons come back, you will be owing 10 million. You won't understand what happened. You had one million for one day. By third day, you are owing ten million. So you are no longer poor. You are in trouble now. <laughs> it's, called <laughs> it's called seven spirits. More wicked than the single spirit of poverty. Now you have a police case. When you were poor, there was no problem. The only problem you had was to get enough food. If you got a hundred naira, it was breakthrough. But now, if I give you hundred naira, you look at it. What is it supposed to do for me? Because you have you have a court case, you are owing the lawyer. If you lose the case, they are they will sell you. <laughs> you know, some people when, when they want to do them strong thing, you go and give them like ten million. And someone will foolishly tell you to invest it. You'll now go and buy land for thirty million. You deposit five of the ten million. Then <laughs> no, I've seen it again and again. The guy is now owing money. When there was no money, he wasn't owing anything. Now that he has seen small money, his eye don't go up. Now he's investing in things. Now he's in trouble. It's called seven spirits, more wicked. It's a principle. He said, you No, know, this Bible, load dead with principles. When the Lord brings a word of prosperity to the poor man, therefore, it doesn't just give him money. He said, go and tell John what you both see and hear. That's in Luke chapter 7. The blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed. He said, he said but the poor have the gospel preached to them. Jesus was careful. Don't give this guy money. Preach to him. So when the word of prosperity comes to a man that's in poverty, to a woman that's down, it doesn't come with money. It comes with certain principles, certain precepts that's changing the person's life. The number one sign of the fact that you are being blessed, that you are being changed. Money doesn't mean you are being blessed. You know, I remember one young man, he's, he did his NYC and he worked with my wife. One day, he called my wife to thank her very well. After he had finished NYC. Meanwhile, now, they fought throughout One day told my wife to please reject him. My wife said, I'm not rejecting you. You have finished your NYC in my office. And I'll make sure you get extension if you don't behave yourself. She wrote him query, carried the query to NYC office. Made the NYC, that is, the boy was always angry. But a few months after NYC, he called her to agree that, her. Madam, how now? Long time. How is everything? See, I just want to thank you for that experience. What happened? He said, after NYC, he was working with one of his cousins, anyway, new an African brother, you know. just was working with one of his people, share yeah. relations. Thank you. That one was looking at him like, What happened to you? And he didn't know anything happened to him. Do you understand? Maybe in the morning he has gotten up, he has dressed up, he has reached the office. So that one was looking like, ah, Is it you I'm looking at or somebody else? So the guy finally said, no, 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 something happened to you. What happened? Then he looked back and said, "Oh, I work for one woman during NYC. <laughs> he said she did not give me rest. Before he knew what was happening, he had changed. he said he admitted himself he was a, he was lazy. Come at eight, he will come at eight thirty, and you he, and you know his excuse. Other people are coming at eleven. <laughs> <laughs> did they? Um, what I told you? Ask my wife to give this. I may mean, have missed on the two days, but it really happened. He called her and wanted to thank her. He said, he did not even know he was different. It was his brother or his cousin that looked at him and said, what happened to you? you? Let me put my words now. You used to be a very useless guy. <laughs> Look at you. Suddenly you are dependable. You are responsible. Now listen, when God wants to bless you, that's what he does to you. He doesn't just give you money. He, first of all, makes you responsible. He makes you dependable he removes he removes impulsive spending from your eyes one is i can't even remember when but anyway somebody was there was a job uh, opportunity available one of our brothers said look i will send you one guy he can work hard but please make sure he does not handle money i, mean, I kind of? <laughs> you, see, you need somebody to work for you he said please i will send you a guy he can work very hard but please whatever you do Whatever you do, he must not handle money. There was one guy that worked for us. In fact, <laughs> he did a lot of work for me in my house <laughs> that time. Oh, God. Hey, Israel, you know the guy? <laughs> let's not mention his name. Like they say in Europe, but let's use his name to cover his secret. This guy, they one when they gave him... I said, I sent somebody to do some work. So the guys in Keruzzo said that, there's this guy, very good, very good. <laughs> Sammy warned me, he said, but Pastor, don't give him money. No matter what you do, don't hand him money. So I said, okay. So when he comes and says, this is what we need for the work, you get, to, you give you a breakdown. So you need to buy materials. He said, yes. <laughs> so material will be 10,000. I said, okay, I've heard. You will bring out the 10,000. He said, no, I'm not giving you. Get somebody else. Say, please, take this 10,000. Follow this guy. Go and buy materials. <laughs> Just do that. He will do your work. There, one day, he was working in my house. Then he came, he needed some more materials. Unfortunately, he met my wife, who did not understand the depth of what we are talking about. She knew the story, but she didn't know the depth. But he said, you don't give this guy money at all. <laughs> but my wife said, no now. The work he has done, the money, that is, the balance for his you know, labor, is still remaining. His tools are here. You understand? <laughs> <laughs> so she counted money for him. He collected the money to go and buy more materials. That was like eight and a half years ago. <laughs> I have not seen him once till today. His tools, he left them behind. Do you know, I couldn't understand it. If you just bought those materials and came back, finish the work that day or next day, your tools, they have value. The money I will pay you this guy didn't make any money, he lost. At the point in time, I was so concerned I sent people that knew him, said please tell him to come and collect his tools. That listen, if you forget the money, of course, I had gotten somebody else to finish the work. Somebody else had come, finished the work. Did even better than him, they finished the work. I paid those ones off. I said, please tell him to come and collect his tools. You initially I was even doing like, eh? You went away with my money. Okay, his tools are lying. After some time, I was the one begging him. <laughs> I'm not seeing him till today. That's eight and a half years ago. I'm not kidding. There are people like that. When God wants to bless such people, doesn't give them money. He will first sit them down and cast out that spirit. He will test them. That's when pastors are saying that I give an offering tomorrow, they say, oh, pastor, don't lie to people. Their lives will still be the same. There's a reason why they are where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Hi. They give an offering tomorrow. If God did not bless you, that's what one man said, it's not my English. If somebody else is English. He said, if my God did not bless you, my God is not going to do anything that he has not done already. You must understand. As for the Christian, he has done everything he's supposed to do. What is God saying? You want money? you want material prosperity, then we start talking. I will explain to you how to labor. Labor is not a sin. Your life must be blessing somebody. I will explain it to you. Money will not fall down from heaven. not as if I can't do that, but why should I do it? It defeats the purpose. You become a blessing to people. God says, I'll start teaching you how to have contentment. Without contentment, you can't go far in life. Even Ali Kodangote had to learn contentment. Look, you think because these people are rich, you understand? They don't. You, you know, some people do think that they are rich people, they will pay. Those rich people, they don't pay. And there's a reason for it. Because he became rich because he knows the value of things. Oh, the worst thing you can do, you want to do business with somebody, say because he's rich, you overcharge him. You made a mistake. Unless it's a, a, you know, a politician that just told money. The ones that built wealth, don't charge them anyhow. Mm-hmm. They know the value of everything. You come and say, it is, it's 100000 and He will look at you. You will carry your phone. Um, um, uh, Bala, how now? Please, let me check this in the market. You'll be surprised that he knows what he says in the market. He is calling you to do it. It's not because he does not know where he can go and get it. And if you have tied him into a contract that he cannot extricate himself from, you know what he'll do? He will pay you off and mark you, and his circle of friends. You will never feature there again. I, no, I've seen a lot of people. You go into a rich person's house. They say, "Ah, this, they, they don't have sense." Listen, <laughs> listen. Do that with politicians that became rich overnight. But if somebody has done business for fifteen, no, thirty years, he built that wealth. <laughs> in fact, be praying you will make a profit. Peter Daniels described when, in fact, one of his top principles of, um, of uh, you know, getting good deals. So once he gave, he, he released an advert needed a job done construction work, down home in Australia or was in the US, somewhere. He got the guy that got the best bid from, hundred thousand dollars. He looked at it and said, so he called the guy up and said, listen, I saw your bid, and it looked very good. Well, how would you feel if I told you i give that job for $90,000? Ah, that one looked like ah, $90,000. He said, if you're willing to take $90,000, the job is yours. The guy said, wait. He did calculation, click calculation. The guy said, okay, bring the $90,000. Sorry, I'll see me in the office tomorrow. <laughs> Before the man came, he had gotten $80,000 in cash and kept it on the table. The man came, oh, you're welcome. Please sit down. They were talking. He said, notice that the man's I kept on going to the $80,000 on the other end of the table. Sometimes I told the guy, I "Said, well, are you looking at that money?" The guy I said, "Yes." Well, in case you are one, it's eighty thousand dollars. Well, if you want it, you do the job for forty thousand. You can take it. Said so the guy, I "Said, wait, brought out paper, calculate, calculate, calculate." He said, the guy bring the money. <laughs> he said, "Because the guy, you know, they live in a credit society." He Said to do that job, the guy had to use credit. He said, "The guy realized that if I take cash out, I can pay less for this, pay less for this, pay less for this, pay less for that. I'll make my profits complete." And this guy won't have the opportunity to owe me. Bring the money. He said, he wrapped the money for the guy. Put it in a bag. They signed the deal. The man walked out, did the job for $80,000. That's why Peter Daniels is a billionaire. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He knows, look, he knows how to handle every dime. Peter Daniels will tell you, he teaches Christians for free, businesses. But before he starts talking, he will tell you the normal price. So that you will value the time he's spending on you. And he will make you promise to give a proportion of your this thing, to advancing the kingdom. Oh, one that he will tell you, listen, my time is expensive. He will tell you the story of how he was paid $1 million to talk for 10 minutes. So he's not joking. So when he's coming to your church, guiding you people to talk for three hours, say, do you know how much it is worth? He will let you know, first of all. But he's not charging you anything. So all of you will take him very seriously, knowing that if he had to pay for this, he will teach you how to start business how to negotiate, how to do this, how to do that. He will pray for you. He will do everything. But you have to make a promise that your prophets will advance the kingdom. Listen, when God wants to make somebody who was very poor rich, he doesn't just come and give him money. No, he starts teaching him little things. These are the things we call the precepts of God. And one of of the things I must emphasize is that he has to teach you the precepts of the kingdom as opposed to the precepts of the world. Because what you are looking out for is divine increase. Are you getting my point? The world has its own increase. Satan said to Jesus, bow to me, I'll make you the richest man in the world. That's what he said, I'll give you all these kingdoms. The world has its principles. But God has his own. His own works differently. One of those things about God's financial principles is that there are no, there's no hurry in it. You can not invest in Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin today and become rich tomorrow. You give your money to MMM, the man who have a heart attack with your money. He's gone. <laughs> no, I'm telling you to, one the truth. Look, listen, listen, listen. When MMM started, let me tell you the truth. I lost the ability to be tempted about something with some things long ago. And in case your money, no, no, don't put up your hand. I'm not asking you to put up your hand. I just want to tell you something. In case your money went with MMM, it is a blessing of God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now please, I want you to say that amen even though you don't feel like it. If your money went with MMM, it's a blessing of God. Okay, let's do something. Some of you don't want to say amen, lest they think your money went with MMM. Now you are going to say amen to help those that their money went with MMM. So all of us will say amen. If your money went with MMM, it's a blessing of God. Amen. Thank you. When it came that time, of course, those of us who have lived long enough, we can't be tempted. We have seen it before. It's nothing new. It's not. It, look, the cycle, con- listen, it will come back in a few years, so don't even, And then, And the, a and the new set of muguns will join. One lady walks in my office, I told her, did you put money in one of these? He said, I didn't put too much. I said, you put at all. I said, I don't know, I don't have words for you. Because they had done her strong thing before. You know what we call strong thing? They did have strong thing. <laughs> She still came back. I said, Hey, what would God now do for you now? Now, why could some of us not even be tempted, even if we're looking for money? We are read from scriptures that God hates quick money. Listen, if they give it to you, tell God I don't want it. Because God wants his quick gain. Then my wife and I sat down. Because one pastor was, uh, you know, say, Okay, if you want to change your 10,000 to 30,000 in two months, send me a personal chat. My wife replied and said, is it all this money doubling deals? She loaded like 10 scriptures from New Living Translation using the word quick gain, quick gain, and sent it out and said, man of God, that is what the Bible says. Somebody sent out a private chat that you are talking to a pastor Say said, so what? But if you say that thing, my wife was insulted, say I'm talking to a pastor, I'm talking to a pastor. We are talking the word of God, I'm talking to a pastor. Quick gain is one of the things that God will teach his children. Not to love. When I think came of the general principle, and that's the principle that is get in early, get out early, you will be safe. So people said that when choice things start, you quickly get in, get your own money and get out. Before I explain it, let me just say to you: if you did that, you took away a spirit, it's inside your finances, as I'm talking to you right now. Those who lost, they are better off than you. Mm -hmm. Because the spirit didn't follow them. Their money followed the spirit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 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 But you that gained. Say, what should I do? Go and calculate how much you gained and go and give to the poor. And deliver yourself of that evil spirit. Although, the spirit may have finished dealing with you by now, in which case you're already free. (laughs) So I was getting early, I can get out on time. What they don't understand is that for you to want to get out of time, you know something's wrong. And money is a dangerous thing. Spirits follow it about. When you are getting money out quickly in those things, you are getting spirits out quickly too. You know that the money is quick gain. God does not attach his blessing to quick gain. He doesn't. So whether you get in early and get out early or not, it's not the issue. Is you have a spirit that loves quick gain. You are supposed to, as a believer, despise the concept of quick gain. When they say quickly put the money together, in three days, we'll triple our money. Once they tell you like that, say it's ungodly. Say, no, we're not stealing from anybody. Say it's irrelevant. No, say it's irrelevant. I know I know you're not stealing, but it's relevant. You are marketing it to me based on. Quick gain. And as a Christian, I must not love quick gain. Anywhere I go, I must add value to the lives of people. When they finish transacting with me, they should be happy. Because the one thing about business, real business, is that everybody must gain. Oh, yes, everybody must gain. Everybody, look, it's not difficult to explain. I don't want to spend too much time on it. If I send this handkerchief in Lagos for five hundred naira, and that's why it's manufactured, five hundred naira for one. If everybody that wants to go to that needs has to go to Lagos, you know how much it would take to buy one. All of us we pay like six thousand five to get one because transport to go there and come back, we have to the five hundred. But if a man goes there, buys ten thousand and brings it to us. As everybody, buy for 600 naira each. He's making 100 naira, maybe 19 naira by the time he puts his cost on everything, all right? On each one. But he's saving each person the trouble of going to Lagos to buy. So we have both gained. He has gained 19 naira on each. But I have gained, he has saved me a lot of headache, transport fare, the risk of the road. So each person gains. That's how come we can all do business with one another and each person we gain. There are things that I can do myself, but the time of buying DIY book, reading it, carrying the tools, do you know, do you know how much time you're talking about? One of the things about my wife and I we talk, talking, I say, listen, baby, when you're doing this valuation, don't forget to value your time and your effort. So many of those, I say, no, even though I can DIY it, are you getting my point? I will not DIY it. I will get a man who has done it 10,000 times before. He's much better than me. And all I will do is pay him some money. He has saved me time. He has saved me the effort just for a small amount of money. And he's happy that I have given him money for his skill. That's how life keeps moving. What am I going to say? One of the things the Lord will teach us is that quick gain is not that is you must hate the idea once they come back, this one makes quick money say i'm not i'm not i don't want to hear just hear it. you know the way you do put your hand in your ears and start making noise i don't want to hear because if, if i hear now and i so temptation to take start once they tell you things like sit in your house and be making $10,000 a month is a lie if it was easy they wouldn't tell you i can assure you they will do it themselves you mean <laughs> one day, there's one lie. The, oh God, people know how to tell lies. <laughs> that my co-worker in the office, I told you about. He said that uh, the, the, the woman said you give her four hundred thousand. After two months, she give you. After one month, she gives eight hundred. I said, wait, 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 wait. They will double your money in thirty days. Is it thirty or sixty days? She said yes. And you believed it. He said, other people had collected. I said, you should have reasoned a bit. Because, of course, the money didn't come. She put her money, put somebody else's money, borrowed money, put everything. I said, how much interest is that one? We calculated it. Let's even assume it's every 60 days. That's 100% every 60 days. So that's 600% in a year. I said, the same person could walk to a bank and get a loan for 25%. Why is he or she offering it to you except that it's a fraud? Because if it was really true, I will go to the bank, mortgage my father's house. I need somebody who has father's houses. I know the person. Father's land, collect 100 million. We drop it there every 60 days. At the end of the year, I'll go for the daughter's wedding. <laughs> <laughs> if you can't kind of, why don't you bring your money? I say you should have known that something is wrong. They say when it's too good to be true, it's because it's not true. That is why it's too good to be true. <laughs> okay, I didn't say, okay, you know the truth? People know they hear. Once they love that money, they say, No, this one works. The same person I said last time, did you put money? I say, I only put small money. I said, What will God do for you again? I to say? One of the precepts God will teach the Christian, he won't just give you money overnight. He starts explaining to you that the quick gain is not part of it. Money is not about having something. It's about being productive. It's about being somebody who impacts the life of other people. He starts teaching. God will not take a person out of poverty and give him money until he has taught the fellow a new culture. He can't. If he did that, the fellow will become poor. You heard of American Mega Millions? They advertise all the time. What they don't tell you is that a huge number of those that win it are dead in less than 10 years. They don't tell you that. Most of the, they commit suicide. They do. They don't tell all of that because that you give a poor man, you know that time they said that somebody did a whistleblower, a whistle whistleblower. When they said Sage said we wanted to counsel him, but I just said, give him his money, give him his money. Hey, I, I said, Jesus, that guy will die. If it's what they said happened, that really happened. You're a gate man today, and they said you with how many millions, it's 700 million or something, by the next day. If you live beyond five years, your wife is praying for you. Yeah, she's praying intensely. Because when you have that kind of money, when you have never seen it before, you come to the Atlantic and say, why can't I walk on water? (laughs) I'm telling you, you will feel like walking on water. You won't realize that (laughs) money. So that's why you know. So what what does the Lord do? He builds people up gradually. He builds them up bit by bit. He teaches them his precepts. There's one thing about being a believer, all right. Because what God wants to teach a Christian, listen to this: If you are not a believer, you can't accept it. For example, now I said to you, you must hate quick gain. You must be a Christian to believe that. If you know, don't know Christ, why should you hate quick gain? I love quick gain. No? Bring it. You may die. When I die, I'll find out. Don't worry. No. People, people say things like that. So you may die in the process. When I'm dead, I will know. Just leave it. You say, now that I don't have money, I might not even be dead. They will start, when you, you start hearing nonsense talk. So there are things that God wants to teach. All right? He needs the spirit of Christ. So it's not just like teaching precepts. No. He needs the spirit of Christ to be inside that person first for the fellow to be able to imbibe his precepts. And let's never forget, we're not talking about methods. We're talking about a flow of the spirit. What God wants to do is to set the fellow's life in order so that his grace can flow through him. It doesn't mean it's his own labor. Are you getting my point? It does not mean it is his labor that will produce. It just means that he cannot receive God's grace in his life. Do you follow what I'm going to explain here? When God puts precepts, listen, I said earlier, when God wants to bless people, the first thing he gives them is that knowledge of precepts. Because without it, whatever blessing he wants to pour in can't come in. It is his blessing that makes rich. It's not the hard labor of the individual. It's just that if the fellow does not understand divine precepts, the blessing can't flow. I mean, what has righteousness and justice got to do with the normal order of making progress? No worldly method. Physically. What has it got to do with it? What has it got to do with it? But Isaac must have the fear of God. When he has the fear of God and he wants to move to Egypt, God cannot say to him, Isaac, stop. Don't go anywhere. What do I do? Sow in that land. Isaac will not sleep in that land. Isaac will not pick his teeth in that land. Isaac will do what? Sow in the land. Which means that the man will wake up in the morning. He said, he that watches the wind will not sow. Which means that sometimes the wind will be contrary. He will still sow. Do you get my point? Why? He has the fear of God. You know, the other day I was watching, um, you know, these videos, all these this, that they, you know, they fall up and down. This was done by Indian, the man looks like an Indian guru. And he said that he wants to, he thinks it is time for the world to move from religion to responsibility. Because religion, it does not let us think. You know, sometimes once you say it has divine sanctions, people can kill each other and think that God is there. You know, they are pleasing God. He said, you see, that the problem is that the people now need to be more responsible that we need to stop teaching religion, we need to start teaching responsibility. And he started, he kept on talking and it sounded very nice. It's not sounding good. It is. It is. Then, but when you consider things with a spiritual perspective, <laughs> you start laughing. I looked at him, I felt like calling himself, God, let me tell you how foolish what you have said is. Responsibility is good, that is true. But why is it my responsibility when they are killing each other 500 kilometers away for me to go and give them aid? Is it my responsibility? If there are people in Africa or South America in one deep jungle somewhere, they have not heard the gospel, they don't have clean water to drink. Is it my responsibility? I don't know whether you're getting my point. Why do people leave their places, travel distances, to go and reach people that are lost? Is religion. All that one is talking is nonsense. The only thing that teaches responsibility is pure religion. That's why James said, pure religion is to visit the orphan. The sick. that's pure religion. You cannot teach responsibility without pure religion. Because that's how you realize that most things we do in life, they are not our responsibilities. It's because we fear God. The yes. man was talking, I just said, I felt like a guru. Come, let me tell you the truth. You are lying to people. You are just rabble-rousing. Are you getting my point? Yeah, yeah you're just rabble-rousing. You're just making noise. The truth is that the reason why we do many of the things we do is religion. It's because we know there is a reward in heaven. We know there is a God to fear. We know the blessing of God is what makes us rich. We want to please that God. There's no responsibility without religion. There's none. What am I going to say? That's why when God puts in the spirit of Christ into people, that is when they can accept his precepts. That's when Abraham can look. Look at the watered land. And he says to it, Lord, you choose first. That's when Abraham can do that. That's when he can do that. Without the knowledge of God, Abraham won't do that. That's why Abraham can look and tell the king of Sodom, all these plenty goods. They are mine legitimately. The laws of warfare now means they are mine. But king of Sodom, take. I don't want you to stain the glory of my God. And that God blessed Abraham. So that today we are still talking about him. And we are still, like somebody said, we are still proud to be descendants of Abraham. Have you heard that English recently? <laughs> you know, keep on inventing things. We are still proud to be descendants of Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm going to explain, listen, let me end my message here. We have so much to say, I'm still going to get back to it. I want to take the precepts. I'm just, all I've done today is to explain the principles behind those precepts. I just want us to go through it and see what this money matter. He says, the Lord thy God that gives you the power to get wealth. You now see that literally he says, the Lord thy God that gives you the strength to create strength. That's it. Power to get wealth is strength to get strength. That is God gives you strength to do something. He gives you ideas to produce something. God, if anybody tells you that, uh, after I give that offering, next day, I just sat in my house, money was raining from heaven. That's a testy lie. He's testy lying. He's not testifying. Yeah, he's lying to you. And I was reading this. Uh, uh, Bishop, you know, I forgot something to you the other day. I was reading Jerry Savelle. said so there's a time that God that God said to him, don't walk. I don't want to do anything. He said, God did not say to me. No, he said, God didn't say don't walk. He, he, he shut down his business. It was a car. Uh, it was a body, a car body. CVM, what do you call it? He's a car body man anyway. He used to do car body, like a panel beta, body, you know, He was a body man. So he shut down his business, sacked his staff and everything, shut down the business. Because God wanted him to be learning the word, preparing for ministry. Eight hours a day he used to study. He said, God said I shouldn't worry. He didn't say I shouldn't work. He said, what did he do for me? He said, many times, I'll get a phone call. I hear you are very good with car body. He said, yes, I have a job for you. He said, I'll go and collect the job, do it in my garage. I didn't have a shop anymore in my house. I'll do it. The guy will pay me. And that will handle my bills for the next few days. So one day, somebody called and said, There's a house they want to build. Can they do construction? He said, Why not? He went there, did construction for a few days. He said, But each of those days, he will sacrifice his nights. Because he had to put in eight hours every day. Construction or no construction. He will still put eight hours a day to study the Word of God. What am I going to say? The principles by which God blesses Christians. It's not what we preach sometimes, what we call so we see today, tomorrow. Doors will open. The door will not open for a man that doesn't know how to get up. If the door opens, the door will just open. After some time we we'll close it again. That's all. I, I hope you're getting what I meant to explain here. Just think, look, we'll look at them. So the fact that, we look, Paul will teach us spiritual principles. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. The blessings are yours already. It's in the realm of the spirit, but for you to come down, you will put in some some precepts, put them in place. A number of things, for some for example concerning money, you will banish laziness out of your life. You will become responsible and dependable. Do you understand? Yes. yes. Responsible and dependable. You become <clears throat> a master of accountability. You know what I Accountability. That this God will give you ten thousand naira, and after two weeks, He wants to hear the detailed account of where every cobble went. If you can't account for one cobble, God, it will say we'll start again. Send it back to poverty for another three months, then give you another ten thousand. It is when you have learnt. Look, listen, Christians, listen to this. You have one day sit down and say, okay, last month I got fifteen thousand naira. Where is it? You will remember. I went to church, offering five hundred. Okay, okay one fifty. My younger brother called me saying dead money two thousand. Yes, I gave my mother three five. The guy who's selling me clothes, I paid five hundred naira for the shirt. I've not collected it because I refuse to owe. Let him owe me. Yeah. If you don't have money, it's all buying some things. You'll not be running away when the woman selling shirt is looking for you. It's not good. <laughs> I'm serious. That you will settle down and God will see there was no impulsive buying. Mm-hmm. Say, I went for Bible, said Pastor Bank said that if your Bible is not on a four-inch screen, it's not a real Bible, then go and buy a paper Bible. <laughs> Don't use me as an excuse to buy a phone you can't afford. <laughs> <laughs> buy a Bible on paper. Buy it. That is show yourself that impulsiveness has been wiped out of your life. These are some of the precepts the Lord puts down before it can rain that blessing that is already hanging in the realm of the Spirit. I have spoken plenty. I hope I made sense today. Because I want to stop now. But well, let's just bow down and me one and just give the Lord thanks. Say, Father, we thank you. Thank you for the precepts of faith. Say, Lord, we thank you. Say, Lord, teach me what I'm supposed to know in this season. Correct me.